Welcome to episode number five of This Stuff Works podcast. And I am really excited to have Tina Myron on here today. She's a longtime friend, a longtime trooper, a plank owner from our very first muster back in October 2016, uh, muster 001. And uh, you've come to, uh, I know you've come to muster since, you've been a four musters total now. Um, and uh, it, it is uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on here today. I think you're an, you're an amazing leader. You're an amazing example of how you take and implement these principles in your world. Um, and uh, I uh, just, just really excited to have you on here today, Tina. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Leif. It's an honor to be here. I was so, I was so honored when you reached out. Um, so I love to talk about this stuff. And, you know, what I love about your story is, is, is you, you have taken and applied this stuff in a way, particularly in a world where people may not necessarily want to hear from somebody that looks like me with a shaved head and was in the military. Um, you know, and they think, well, that's really not for me. And you've taken and proven that you can take this stuff and apply it in your life. And you, you have, uh, demonstrated, you know, so much success in that area. Um, and uh, it's just been awesome to keep up over the years and, and talk to you and, and read your sit reps and, and on your, your engagement in our uh, live sessions on Extreme Ownership Academy are always awesome. Um, and you've also provided so much amazing feedback and, and guidance to, to other leaders as well, which I think is, is really, uh, really important. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's just changed. It's not an under understatement to say it's changed my life since I found these principles. So I'm happy to be part of it. And Academy has been great, especially through the pandemic. It was like one of my touchstones um, to be able to log on and stay in the conversation. And, you know, not only hear from you and Jocko and the other echelon front instructors, but also hear from other leaders, right? Because so many of us are dealing with the same thing. And especially, you know, I think we've, I think we've kind of lost sight that in the early days of the pandemic, nobody knew what was going on. You know, I'm in the healthcare industry. So I felt like I had uh, our infection prevention doctors and things like that were pushing out information that, you know, became my like go-to for what was really going on, you know. Um, but those academy sessions, they continue to be just, just one of my favorite parts of my week. <laughs> Well, they are for mine as well, too. And, and that's, that's what we love about it. It is, you know, it, it's, it's, it, I, look, I always learn. I mean, it doesn't matter who mm -hmm. the instructor is. Mm -hmm. um, I, I learn from Jocko, I learn from Jamie, I learn from Dave and JP and all, all, all the instructors that are part of it. But I learned so much from you and, and so many of the other leaders. And, and what I love yeah. about that is we've just hundreds of people from all different levels of leadership mm -hmm. in just about every industry that you can imagine uh, from multiple continents yep. across the globe too, uh, bringing all these different perspectives of how to take these principles and apply them. I think that's, that's, it's, it's exceptional for me. It's one of my favorite things to do is, is jump on those live sessions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Tina, let's talk about, about you. Okay. You are a product manager for uh, a, it's, it's Fred Hutch Cancer uh, Center, correct? That's Which correct. Is a, a cancer outpatient and, and research hospital. Um, tell us about yourself, where you, where you've come from, uh, how you've gotten to, to where you are now. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in uh, south of Rochester, New York, uh, in a pretty blue collar family. Um, and then I went to college for computer science. And back in the day, that was a that was a new thing <laughs> uh, back in the 80s. Uh, and then I went to work for IBM, which was really my dream job. It was the biggest computer manufacturer at the time. Um, it was the place to be. 
And I got the opportunity to move out to Seattle and support the Boeing account um, back when they were building the 777 um, in the early 90s. So that was an incredible life change for me. Um, and it was probably the best move I've ever made uh, because besides, you know, being able to continue to work, uh, work at IBM, um, really was fortunate to start my career there and get some a lot of really great training, you know, and just the professional world and how to conduct yourself. Um, I also discovered a huge love of the outdoors and the best thing that's ever happened to me, my husband, Eric. Um, so the Pacific Northwest is definitely my home. Um, so um, after IBM, I, I've spent most of my career in project and program management, which um, again, I think these principles are really applicable to that role because a lot of the project management roles I've held is all the responsibility and none of the authority. Um, so it's bringing together teams, um, it's building teams, managing teams, leading teams. Um, and I, I'll never forget when I um, when I first, I Extreme Ownership was one of the first audio books that I listened to. Uh, and because I used to have a ridiculously long commute. Um, and I specifically remember, and I can't, I was trying to remember what the chapter was, but it was, it was about teams, right? It was about bringing teams together and how to get people um, to work together, high-performing teams. Uh, that's what really uh, attracted me first to the book. Um, and I remember like, being on the road and you were saying something about that. And I was like, yes, I mean, I literally screamed out loud. It's like, somebody finally gets it. <laughs> so you really put into words what I had experienced on, on projects. Um, so I uh, came to Fred Hutch Cancer Center. Um, I had a personal connection. My late uh, father-in-law had his bone marrow transplant done there. So I really wanted to go and work uh, for somebody who's doing somebody something for the greater good and feel like my work is meaningful. That's still really important to me. Um, and I landed a role, a project management role in our enterprise project management office um, and kind of progressed there. Um, and then I found extreme ownership, uh, went to my first muster. Um, and in the first six months of adopting the principles, I got two promotions, um, double digit raise and landed my dream job of running the enterprise project management office. So um, that's, if that's not a testament, I don't know what it is. I hear that from a lot of people. <laughs> the only measure the matter, right? Effective right. and ineffective, right. that is definitely a testament right. to effective leadership. You know, yeah, awesome. and I and I, I was so honored. It was uh, I had a great team of people, really uh, senior, mostly senior folks, senior PMs, really, really, um, really good at what they were. And I remember it, uh, the first muster, I asked a question about, I have this kick-ass team, you know, it's like, what do I do? And you and Jocko were like, okay, the first thing you need to do is figure out how you're not delivering. <laughs> and that was really humbling. It was like, okay, got to like tone back, like we're so great, you know, <laughs> in our ego. Um, so that was great. But that was a great experience. I had a, I had a team of 16 people. Um, I was able to really, uh, again, share the principles. Um and because they, they're leaders, they were leaders in the organization. Um, and so I did that for a while. I can't remember how many years. Um, and then I got to the point where I had to make a really tough decision whether I was going to leave the role or not. And we can get into that if you want. I did make the tough decision to leave um, about two years ago. And I had developed a really strong relationship with another finance leader in the organization um, and we bonded over leadership and a lot of other things. Um, and I called her up and I said, you know, I really want to stay with the organization. I really do. Um, do you have anything? 
and she knew my situation and she knew the situation I was getting out of. And uh, she said, would you come, would you come do this? Would you come do this product manager role? And I'm like, sure. And in 10 minutes, I landed the role, <laughs> easiest interview I ever had. Um, and then went through the HR process and about two years ago joined this smaller team. And the other thing I shared with you in my latest sit rep was it really is a credit to you, Leif, because uh, when I was considering leaving my job, you said, don't be afraid to take a step back. And I, my ego flared at that moment. I was like, what, what do you mean? You know, it's like, it's all about, you know, going forward and getting that title and everything. Um, but that really stuck with me. And while I do feel it was a step back, um, still, you can lead at any level. You can continue to have influence. I have continued to main, maintain my relationships across the organization. And now there's other opportunities that are coming because of that, right? Um, so I had to dump my ego and I still have to dump my ego every single day. It's sometimes, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of where I so am right I now. <laughs> so do I, but look, you know, I love those conversations, you know, with you and, and, uh, Look, I, there's so that's the reason that I can uh, provide that guidance because that's me. I mean, I'm the I'm go forward. Let's move fast. Let's default aggressive. We're gonna make things happen. And I think it, it's really taken, you know, some. Uh, I've had conversations with Jocko, you know, in in uh, over the last two or three years as we've grown Echelon Front, and he's, you know, where it's like this is, you know, I've got this thing and I'm running with it, and you know, and and he asked me a question like, hey, do you even like doing that? <laughs> and, and it really took, I had to really take a step back for that and be like, I actually don't like doing that. He's like, cool, just let somebody else do that. Like, mm -hmm. no And it really, it took that conversation to, to force me to detach. It's, it's, a, it's a hard thing, I think, for someone who's a go-getter who wants to make things happen. And, uh, and yet, you know, look, when you think about where you want to be strategically, that's what we really talked about, right? Where do you want to be strategically? It, it's, 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 this is prioritized next year, right? As long as you're looking down the sights of your weapon, you know, for to use the military analogy, and that's all you can see is that that little cardboard, you know, paper towel dispenser tube. And yet, the moment that you actually come back off the sights of your gun, you look around, look to the left or right, take a step back, and you're detached. Then you can actually see what the strategic priorities are. And what I loved about our conversations is is the thing about, hey, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be twenty years from now? Where do you? Right. What's going to make you happy? You know, it, and it, and so often I think we think that's about pay, or mm -hmm. it's about uh, it's about title or, mm -hmm. or position, um, and it's definitely not that, right? It's, it's, it's not. There, there, there's all kinds of positions that you can get paid a whole lot of money, and yet your quality of life is horrible. All you're doing is working all the time. You're just kind of a slave to the schedule. You can't, you know, you you don't. Your kids don't know you. Can't spend any time with your family, and you don't get to go. Uh, you know, as you just talked about mentioned being in the. Pacific Northwest and the great outdoors. And I know that's something that's really important to you as well. And if you don't have time to do the things that you mm -hmm. like to do, um, then, then all of that is for naught. So um, right. I'm really proud of you for taking a, a step back and, uh, and really analyzing where you wanted to be in life um, and what was going to make you happy. And, and, and you're looking at the entire picture, right? Not just, not just like, Oh, up the promotion chain, mm -hmm. you know, for, for this particular uh, opportunity. So um, yeah. it's awesome. It was awesome to see. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to me about, so, you know, you mentioned, uh, finding the book, Extreme Ownership. Uh, and I know, I think you, you first heard about it on the Tim Ferriss podcast, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. which was yes. the, the scariest seal I've ever met. I think was the title. Well, that's the, yeah. the title got my attention, you know, and I, I don't know if I should tell this part of the story, but 
I did not see Jocko's picture. Okay. I got, you know, the title caught my attention. I was listening to Tim Ferriss all the time. Again, I had this crazy commute and podcasts were my savior, you know? Um, and I have to admit that he was, I listened differently. If I had seen the picture and then listened, I think I would, have. and I think that says something bad about me, but, um, he was just so different than anybody I had ever listened to. He was so thoughtful. And I just remember how he would pause after he got the questions and like, he really owned it. I mean, he really owned his part of it. And then just the, the, the variety of things they talked about. And of course, you know, at the time it was, I got the, I think I told you it got my attention because it was like, it was about high-performing teams, right? Um, And we know that's, comes from leadership, right? But it was like, oh, oh yes, this is a topic that I'm really interested in. So yeah, after that, um, I ran out, got the book, like I said, dove right in. um, And then I, I remember after reading the book saying, you know, I know you you at that time were dealing with businesses and you weren't necessarily dealing a lot with the public and everything. I thought, man, if they ever, if they ever do a public conference, I got to get there, you know? (laughs) So, um, yeah. So, but from the book, I got, I got a lot of learning. Well, thank God you didn't see Jocko's picture because if, uh, (laughs) uh, for everybody listening to this, if you go pull up the Tim Paris podcast, the scary seal on that, Jocko looks like a straight up axe murderer in that picture. And he did that. I think it was the week prior to the publication. The lot, yeah. Yeah. The Cause it was the, show. the book was book was coming out. Yeah. yeah the, yes. book, the book was just, just uh, becoming available. And uh, you know, so many, uh, you know, we, I mean, there's, there were millions of people that listened to that um, and, uh, and, and went out and bought the book as a result. But I, I, I did, I did tell Jocko, I was like, Hey, we're trying to actually work with, with people, uh, and we were actually trying to get clients not scare, not scare them to death. So it was, uh, it was pretty funny that uh, that that photo got used. Thank God you didn't see that. Tina. <laughs> it would have made, maybe changed some things. And uh, and that that's that's awesome. You had no reservations about, hey, I want to learn about uh, you know how these guys built high performance winning teams and and uh, and 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 dove into it. I think that's that's outstanding. Mm-hmm. As you, what, what was it like? So, so you, you signed up for the very first muster uh, in San Diego, which we had October, uh, I think it was 21st and 22nd, uh, 2016, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And it, it was, uh, it, the reason that date says in my mind, because it was 10 years to the day that we arrived uh, from our deployment to Ramadi. Uh, we got back October 22nd, 2006. I think we left of, you know, we left at the 21st and we arrived back in San Diego on the, on the, on the 22nd. And um, it was, so that was a very powerful you know, moment for us. But what was crazy to me is, is, you know, we, I had some reservations about the muster. I, I didn't know, you know, we didn't know if 50 people would show up to this thing. Oh, and, really? You know, of course, there's a, there's a, uh, we knew, you know, there was people that read extreme ownership and the book was doing well. And, um, it'd been out for not even a year at that point. Um, but we had no idea. I mean, Jocko podcast was brand new at that mm-hmm. point. I think he launched it in December of 2015 mm-hmm. uh, was the first episode. So um, he, uh, we didn't know. And, and I, I thought it was, it was me and Jocko and Jamie and I saw in front and we were just, uh, Jamie had, had planned events at, at San Diego state university. And so she had that background, which was awesome, you know, for us. Um, and, I was like, hey, I don't know if we're going to be ready to do this by October. Uh, this was maybe in like 
like July or August at this point. I was like, it's, you know, the, the date's pending. Maybe we should try and just wait and roll this next year. And Jocko was, you know, just asked Jamie, Hey, Jamie, what do you think? And, and, and so basically it was like, Hey, we're, let's do it. Let's just do it. And if 50 people show up, no big deal. And it was crazy. We had 341 mm-hmm. people showed, showed up to that. And what was amazing to me, Tina is, uh, is uh, we went and did the early, you know, workout that we're going to have a 445 workout. So we went to, to do the early workout. And as we were walking back from, uh, from the, the, uh, the, the convention center stairs, where we mm-hmm. done those, those runs, um, if you, those first workouts were brutal. Uh, <laughs> and, and we came back from that and we thought like, oh, we've got some time. It's only like, it was like 420, you know, uh, 425 in the morning at this point, we got some time, people be trickling down, you know, at 445 there were 200 plus people out in front of the hotel and the lobby stretching out getting ready. And I thought, Oh, this is, this is cool. We got, <laughs> we got some serious troopers in the game here. Um, so it was so exciting to meet you there and to talk to you and answer your questions. And, and uh, what, what were your thoughts around the first muster? Like, what were you thinking coming to that? You know, what did you learn from it? What, what, what were some of uh, just your, your experiences there? Well, it was funny because when it was announced, I'm like, okay, I got to get there, right? Um, and I, you know, first always go to my organization to see if they'll pay for training because I think that's an advantage of working for somebody else, right? Um, so the first thing was uh, it wasn't really clear how people got training in my department and how they how they didn't, right? So, um so that was very unclear. So I actually took the principles <laughs> that I that I uh, had had learned from the book, you know, and really focused on why, you know, why you would want to send me to this. Because again, um, I think you know, my boss at the time was like, "What's this military thing?" You know, type of thing. You know, why are you going to go see these seals? You know, um, probably some other thoughts that I won't say out loud. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> And so I really, I took, I did a little brief. I did like, it's like, you know, here's what it is, right? Here's how, you know, here's the value. Here's what I've already experienced uh, by reading the book and listening to the podcast. And I remember a specific line I had put in the justification about leadership and the need for leadership in our organization at that time. Um, and like I said, I was in the enterprise project management office and we, um, we were basically the strategic execution arm, right? So the the strategic goals and initiatives would be set. And then we would do the implementation of the project or projects, right? To, to basically get those goals. And we were about to get crazy busy. We were, we were taking on building a new building. We were taking on uh, bringing in a new electronic health record. I mean, all these things that, you know, we used to do like one big project and then, you know, a number of other smaller ones, but we were starting to take on massive things at the same time. Um, In an organization that was very consensus oriented as far as decision-making. So it was very hard as a PM to get decisions made. Um, So I use that, you know, like the kind of defined leadership and the ability to, you know, if this organization needs anything more right now, it's more leadership. Um, And it was funny because I I emailed, I emailed my manager in like 10 minutes. He's like, okay. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, 
well, that worked, you know, <laughs> it's like, so I think that was my first introduction to this stuff works, you know, um, so, uh, so I went on, I, you know, paid, I registered and everything, and I have to be honest, Leif, about 10 minutes later, I panicked, um, because I thought, who's going to be there? It's not going to be people like me. Are there going to be any women there? I'll just be honest. You know, it's like, is this all going to be men? You know, um, so I had a little bit of like, you know, and and I think that came from from my own my own biases and my own like, I don't want to be judged because I'm not like these other people. Um, I want to emphasize that my experience was amazing. Everybody I met was welcoming. Um, I met a lot of first responders. Yes, there was a lot of first responders there. There was a lot of ex-military. Um, but everybody was just like in the game, as you say, right? It's like everybody was there to talk about leadership, to get better, um, to learn from you and Jocko felt so appreciative that you make yourself so accessible. I never expected that. I expected there to be a green room and that, you know, these instructors, we will never see them and things like that. Um, and that's not the case. Um, so that was really special. And um, I met some incredible women. Uh, one woman who now works at Echelon Front, uh, Lindy, who's one of my best friends. Um, so, you know, really made some some connections with the trooper community that, again, continues on kind of that being in the conversation and really sharing how the principles, how, how we're living the principles. So it was it was an awesome experience. That's that's great to hear, Tina. And look, we every muster is special, you know. And there's they're all mm -hmm. a little bit unique and different in some ways. And there's there's such an incredible group. There's definitely something special about that first group, you know, yeah. you, you, yeah. the plank owners that showed up and and came without knowing what to expect. And there's mm -hmm. no video to show you, and there's no, no. one to talk to, you know, <laughs> about what it might be like. We didn't know what to expect either, um, you know, as uh, you know, on the Ashland front side. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Lindy Horton obviously is one of my favorite people ever. She's an amazing leader herself, um, and uh, and I, I just love how you guys have built such a, a network of of mm -hmm. like-minded people in in different industries, yes, um, and maybe different levels of leadership, and yet uh, you you help each other and and you support each other and you provide perspectives and and uh, it, it's we all need that. We all need that detached perspective from people that. Uh, are, are are not in the situation and they're not frustrated with, mm -hmm. with something that's going on yet. And we know they, they have nothing but our best interests. Interests in mind. Which, yeah. Which, which I think yeah. is awesome. And I think that's, that's really what we try to do at Echelon Front with the clients that we work with. Um, one of my favorite memories of that though, is I, I, I know you, you had some questions and you'd wanted to talk about uh, a particular issue you were dealing with. And I remember Lindy walking you up to me and, uh, and saying, Tina's got a question for you. And, and <laughs> I could tell that maybe you were reluctant to come up and ask a question. And Lindy was going to have none of that. She walked you right yep. up and was like, Leif, Tina's got a question for you. And Exactly. Uh, and, and, and I'm always, I'm grateful for that. I'm still thankful for that. <laughs> and that's, that's, Lindy does that to me as well, too. It's yep. uh, all the time. She, uh, she points us all in the right direction. Thank yeah, God definitely. But uh, that those were those were some amazing memories, and uh, and I know you've come back to different musters and and seen different perspectives, and you know we have more instructors now to share different mm -hmm. perspectives. They're all kind of unique and and different uh, in certain ways. What what do you, what have you seen from the the follow on musters that you've been to? 
Well, it's interesting because when I would, would get a chance to talk to you and Jocko after, you know, kind of the second day, right? Um, you'd always, you'd both always ask, like, well, what do you think? What What's different about this one? And they are, they are all different. I hadn't thought of it that way, but they are all unique. Um, and I just, I think everyone, I said, you guys keep up in the game. You keep upping your game and you're upping my game, right? Just as far as the value that's delivered, the content, um, you know, having the different instructors, you know, come on. And I mean, I was there for, I, I think, it, did JP present at the first one? I can't remember. No, no it wasn't at the first just, one. He yeah, asked, he, I, was I he, he, was he was there. He was there. Because you introduced me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember when he talked about, you know, he did his talk and just he has a little bit different perspective, a little bit different style. Right. Um, but it all melds together. Um, I guess the, the thing that I, I think that remains the same is the incredible opportunity to meet with to, to connect with those different leaders, like you said, at different levels and realize we're all trying to do the same thing and you can lead at any level. Right. Um, I think uh, when the fire teams were added, um, that gets everybody out of their comfort zone um, because there is, you know, there's that diversity even amongst the people that you're sitting by. Right. You don't know these people. I mean, I had the I had the pleasure of bringing some people from work uh, to, to I think it was six or eight. I can't remember. Um, but even then, you know, it's like, no, no, I'm not going to sit by you. I'm going to go over here. You know, so that's an incredible opportunity. But I think the. Um, and I don't know if this is where you're at, where I'm at in my extreme ownership journey, but it seems like the layers of all these principles are, there's a deeper, I get something deeper out of each muster. And I, and I think that's part of the content that you guys keep up in, but it also is like how I show up, you know? So I think you have everything from everybody who's, um, just introduced to the concepts to like have been at it and realize how they how they meld together and how they're you know not dependent on each other but they're um there's a lot of synergy between them and things like that so i just think the the content has gotten deeper and richer um and, you know, of course, the logistics have gotten refined. I'm a logistics person, right? So I love, you know, how things come together. So it runs really smooth. And then as they've grown, I mean, there was a part of me, and I can't remember if it was, I think it was muster six, where um, it was probably at least twice the size of one. Um, and I was, I was, I was worried about that. I was like, oh, is this going to change? Is this going to change the dynamics or the access or whatever? It didn't. It didn't. It just got better <laughs> you know it scaled really well um so i don't but, know if that helps but that's that's kind of some of the top of mind things that come to mind no i think that's great to hear from your perspective because we 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 were actually worried about ourselves you know when we first had a muster that was 800 and not the 900 people um you know like uh chicago and denver in, in 2019 um, and, and we're back, you know, at those numbers now, mm -hmm. um, you know, those size, but we were worried about it back then. Cause we didn't know uh, what I love about it is the interactivity uh, to be yep. able to talk to leaders like you and find out what, what, um, how things are going and what some of the challenges you're dealing with are and how we can help you solve those. Um, and so we were worried about it as well. And, and, you know, credit to Jamie Cochran and mm -hmm. Jen Tarantino and, and the entire ops team. Uh, and the muster crew that run things. I mean, they just make that so smooth that we're able to still interact with leaders um, uh, in a way that uh, that doesn't take away from that. That's what that, that not at all. Us. Yeah, yeah. The workouts are still brutal, but. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, we try, we try we try to keep them challenging, but certainly uh, you know scalable for those. Yes, uh, but of, they are scalable. They are scalable. Go because they are scalable. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've uh, we we had a lady at uh, at one um, uh, at the at the last muster uh, we we had last fall, and they, they were you know she was she was like my friend didn't show up, and so when her her friend uh was was they were asking some questions at, at lunch, and she's like this is my friend that didn't show up to PT this morning, <laughs> and and her friend says. Uh, her friend says, yeah, yeah, well, my knee, my, I've, I've hurt my knee, my knee's hurting, and, and I've got, we've got Rob Jones, uh, you know, a wounded Marines, a double amputee above, above the knee, uh, standing right there, and, and mm-hmm. I, I said, well, Rob Jones doesn't, doesn't have any knees, he was there getting after it, doing <laughs> so, so there, <laughs> so there's no, no excuses for any of us, uh, definitely, and I have to remind myself of that, uh, right, regularly. Let's let's talk about how, you know where have you seen the biggest impact for the the, the principles um, that you've learned from the podcast and from from reading the books and from uh, you know listening listening to live sessions and coming to monsters et cetera. Where have you seen the most impact? You know, in just some examples of how you've implemented those things and uh, to help you solve problems through leadership. Um, well, I would say, you know, extreme ownership and, and taking extreme ownership is kind of foundational, right? Um, so, and it is a practice because I think, uh, and, you know, I think Jocko talks a lot about this is human behavior, behavior is to point the finger, right? Why isn't this person doing this? Why isn't this person doing this? Um, and when you discover extreme ownership, it's kind of like, hmm, oh, when I do that, I almost have to like, interrupt myself, right? It's like, oh, I'm doing that again, because I don't think that goes away. That's one of the things I've learned. I thought that would go away, but I still find myself, I was writing an email on Monday and I was like, mm, you know, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, this isn't this other person. Who am I, who am I being in this? And I think the, the big thing about extreme ownership for me is been to find the power in any situation for myself and it's not power over somebody else it's like what can I do right so that to me is the foundation the leading up the chain uh when I when after I got back from the muster I ordered a bunch of books for my team and uh took Jocko's advice about how to introduce extreme ownership and basically said you know gave the book to my to uh, my team members in our one-on-ones and said you know, to learn more about, I took it on myself, right? This has really helped me. This is what I've learned. And it was extreme ownership and leading up and down the chain was the thing. I said, if you don't read anything else, read these two chapters. And the leading up and down the chain, again, because in a project um, perspective, you're leading up, across, and down all the time. Um, And again, we had a really hard time on projects getting decisions made. Um, So the project managers were often put in the situation of not only articulating issues, but laying out, you know, potential solutions and then serving that up to their steering committee, serving that up to executives um, and did a really good job of that. But there was a lot of hand wringing going on. There was like, I don't know what we should do, you know, things like that. So I really saw you know, as the team kind of took this on, like there was more effective decision-making. There was a more, you know, we got to decisions quicker. Decisions were still revisited often, (laughs) but again, they had some tools. Um, I think the other thing about leading up the chain, and it really goes back to anybody can, 
if everybody leads at every level, oh, that's glorious, right? Um, I know that I personally was brought up to defer to authority. And I have had to learn in my career and still overcome, like if a chief, somebody shows up in the room, right? I had a tendency to defer to that person. Even if I had more information about the issue or whatever, I had a really hard time putting myself on a level playing field with that person because of the title, right? What extreme ownership and what leading up the chain really taught me was it's not, it's not about hierarchy. I mean, there's a hierarchy. It exists for a reason, but you know what? I can, I can show up and I can be, I can be toe to toe with this person, not confrontational, but I can be on the same level because I have something to offer and they have something to offer. Now, one of the things you taught me was they have a totally different horizon line that they're looking at than I am, right? They have, they have, it's more a strategy level. There's stuff going on that, you know, I currently report to the CFO that he sees that I'll never see, right? Um, but the other thing is the same as it is, is at my level. I have a different horizon line. There's things that he'll never see. And by the way, I don't want to bring him down into the details, but having an effective way to communicate up and to say, here's what you need to consider will help him make a decision, if that makes sense. So I, that's something, the leading up the chain, I think is probably, I hate to say that one has been more of a difference maker than another, because it's really a combination. But in the type of roles that I've had to date, it's been, it's been huge. Um, you know, and just a little bit more about my story. Uh, you know, the leader that I came to work for in this position uh, decided to leave last May. Um, happy for her, really sad for me. <laughs> um, and I was faced with like, oh, great, now I have new leadership. And I'm in finance. I, by the way, I don't know how I ended up in finance. Um, but um, so I report directly to the CFO now, and I have a dotted line relationship with the supply chain director. So it was like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to build relationships. I'm going to continue to put my head down, and I'm going to continue to perform. And it was amazing. I feel like I built the fastest relationships I ever have in my career. Um, and again, it was okay, what, this is a CFO. He doesn't need to understand the day-to-day -day stuff that's going on, but I need to like be able to parse out, here's, in case you get questions, we're on track for this, 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 and this, right? We're having this issue. Um, and then, you know, using the supply chain director more as like the day-to-day -day person. Um, so that's a couple of examples and I probably could go on, but I'm going to stop now. <laughs> Those are fantastic examples. I mean, in that chapter, you know, chapter 10 leading, leading up and down the chain of command and extreme ownership was, uh, those lessons were so powerful for me. I, I say often, like I, I learned a lot from Jocko, but probably the most important thing that he taught me was about leading up the chain of command that I needed mm -hmm. to take ownership of that situation. Yep. You know, there were things that I was already kind of taking ownership of, or, you know, or, or kind of knew I probably should be doing. And he just gave me some confidence to, to do them. But that was one where it was a real slap across the face of like, Hey, if I don't have a good relationship with my chain of command, mm -hmm. that doesn't help me. It doesn't help my team. It doesn't nope. help our mission. It doesn't help my boss either. And I think that's where a lot of people lose, you know, the lose sight of that. You know, as you said, the CFO has got a different horizon line than you do. 
But if he's directing you to do something that that you can see is going to be a, a major issue, yeah. and you just go along with that, or you don't actually have the uh, uh, the ability to influence up the chain of command to maybe make some adjustments, um, or understand what he's trying to get you to do, or you know uh, what he or she is trying to get you to do, so that you can make those adjustments, then then uh, uh, you're 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 setting the entire organization up for failure, and you're certainly not helping your boss in that regard. So I think just the recognition of that alone is really really mm-hmm. powerful. Um, that that we have so much more control up up the chain of command than we think is possible, um, and then if we don't have the ability to influence uh, an organization, you're not in a hopeless situation. You you right. actually. By through performance, through building relationships, you can completely transform your ability to to influence uh, the organization for for the good of the team and the mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you've Definitely. been a great example of that. Definitely. And that's the other thing is the relationship building, right? And even outside the chain of command, because one of the things that um, we went through a merger last year and, you know, the preview, the legacy organization was very much relational. I mean, I, I, I told people that relationships are important at any organization, but at that organization, it was like on steroids, because that's how you got things done. Um, But it was very collaborative too. So really, I think that also, like you said, opened up the realization to me that it's important to have relationships across the organization. The work I've done is kind of naturally helps that because I do work cross-functionally. Um, but, you know, when we, you know, when we went to work from home, right, when the pandemic hit and when I, even when I changed my role uh, two years ago, it's like I have been very purposeful to keep up those relationships across the organization. I'm also a people person and I, <laughs> um, I like to, you know, reach out to people and stuff. Um, so that makes it a little easier, but it's been huge. It's been huge. And now there's, you know, I'm being asked, you know, what do you want to do next? You know, Tina, because I don't think what you're doing, you know, is necessarily what you can do. Um, and to actually be invited into those conversations by the CFO is, is he, it, it was it was awesome. It's like, you know, I he did my review in October. It was five minutes. And then he turned to like, OK, what do you really want to do? I want to really understand what you want to do. Um, and that to me is a privilege to be asked. Um, and then it also puts ownership back on me to be very clear about what is the work I want to do, because the other change in, that I've gone through in the last, I would say, five years is I was chasing that title. I was chasing that salary. And what I've realized is that would be nice, um, but it's more important about the type of work that I do and who I do it with. And that's that's incredibly strategic for you uh, to to make that recognition, Tina. I think so many people struggle with that, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I I'm 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 so proud of you for for figuring out where you want to be and what you want to do. You know, and I think it's it's just an awesome thing, and it's a real testament to uh, the discipline equals freedom equation, right? When when people are asking you, hey, what do you want to do? You can you can pick and choose any opportunity because of the relationships that you built, because of the performance that you've demonstrated, because of the effectiveness of your leadership. Um, you know, that's, the, it takes discipline to build those relationships, it takes discipline to do the work, it takes discipline to perform. And yet that's what is required to have the freedom to, to open up opportunities for you so that you can get to decide what you actually want to do and like to do and what's going to be best for you, you know, strategically in the long run. So that's, that's awesome. It's really yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I have to check myself because I've often in the past fit myself into positions, right? Where it's like, oh, I'll just go do that. Well, what do you want me to do? Right. Um, and it's like, no, I really want to hear from you, you know, and luckily I work with some leaders that keep me honest about that. It's like, no, I might have this position open, but I really want you to look at what it is. And are you going to enjoy that work? Um, so that it's, it's been great. So I'm in the process of that and trusting that, you know, the next thing is going to come. So. <laughs> and, and it will, it absolutely will. You, you're, you've, uh, you created those opportunities, you know, uh, based on, on your own performance. So I'm, I'm excited for you. And those, those doors will open. Definitely. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, in your line of work, you know, in, in, in hospital administration or on the healthcare side, like this is, or in finance, you know, we often encounter folks who just, I don't want to have anything to do with the military. I don't want to talk, you know, that, that doesn't apply to me. What can I learn from some shaved head, you know, meathead <laughs> knuckle draggers? Um, what is, how do you, how do you deal with that? How have you dealt with that? Uh, you know, some pushback from people that don't want to read extreme ownership, don't want to hear about the terms, uh, terminology or, or leadership principles learned in combat. I think, um, I think it's, it's pra I mean, just by practicing the principles and them seeing, you know, the results I get, I think they speak for themselves. And then it's watching, you know, we were talking about this uh, earlier. It's, it's the language that you use, right? Um, I'm very aware of that, right? So cover, you know, the four laws of combat, right? Even to say combat in some situations is not okay, right? People are like, they just, you know, that just turns them off, right? It's like, what, what? We're not at war, you know? It's like, well, okay, we can have that philosophical conversation later. Um, <laughs> but um, like cover and move is teamwork, right? So everybody gets simple. And, you know, in the type of roles that I have, that's probably, you know, we t I've taken very complex initiatives and had to break them down, right? And the simpler, the better. Um, decentralized command, right? It's like, it's really about leading at every level. So if you, the language, you know, I think it's so cool to be part of the trooper community and on academy and everything and talking to people that are like in it because you just have this vocabulary that you that you naturally have to talk about it. But it's just tweaking that vocabulary. It really is. And nobody's going to argue with. Um, I was re-listening to something uh, recently about nobody's going to argue about, oh, it was about the ladder of alignment, right? Um, nobody's going to argue that your boss really doesn't want you to fail. Your team doesn't really want you to fail. It's just that you might have different priorities. Um, you might not be aligned on some low-level things, but can you really, you know, can you really get aligned to the point where, yes, we are trying to cure cancer here. <laughs> you know, um, nobody can. You know, you get to that level at the top level. Nobody's gonna. Nobody's gonna um, argue with that. I think it's the same thing with the principles. Uh, teamwork, right? Nobody does it alone. You know, granted, there's big egos that I deal with every single day, right? But I think it's just using that different language and and leading by example. Well, we were just talking about prior to this call, like a decentralized command. What's another term for that? You know, mm -hmm. as well. And and uh, we were kind of brainstorming some ideas and and really something that we often say at Echelon Front is we don't really care what terms are used, right? It's it's really the concept that people understand because we know if. If you don't have a team, if you don't have a team that feels like they understand what the goal is and they can right. they can actually 
maneuver the team to start to make steps in that direction toward that goal um, to overcome challenges in, in, in the path, or at least make recommendations of the chain, it's not going to be a successful team, you know, and particularly in what you're doing where you guys are literally trying to cure cancer. You know, if, if I was thinking when you're saying people don't like combat, the term combat, well, you're in combat against <laughs> an enemy, which is cancer that we can all get united against, you know, to try to try to work together as a team. Mm -hmm. uh, but whether or not you call it cover move, whether or not you call it teamwork really doesn't matter, you know, to us. And for decentralized command, that could be, that could be team empowerment, right? That could be, right. Um, it, it could be uh, everyone's a leader, like whatever you want to want to say for that. But we do know that the opposite doesn't work, right? If you have an organization that is sitting and waiting for one person to solve all the problems and tell them what to do, uh, it is not an effective organization. And and mm -hmm. and so that's that's really what we care about. And so often, you know, de default aggressive is one of those terms like yep, corporate yep. world, like people don't like that term. They think that we're talking about yelling and screaming at people, which mm -hmm. obviously is not what we're saying. We're saying, um, we're, we're saying being default aggressive toward accomplishing a goal, overcoming obstacles, solving problems, making things happen, um, which you certainly have done that. And and really through the pandemic, uh, Tina, what I love some of our conversations, you got default aggressive. You know, I remember you, you asking uh, on live sessions, how how do you build relationships when you, when it's mm -hmm. a work from home environment? Um, and we talked about being default aggressive to reach out to people and engage them with phone calls. And and, and you did that. And I think you've, you've done a, you're a great example that you can absolutely do that. You got default yep. aggressive, not toward people, but in reaching out to people and building relationships with them, yep. uh, which, which, which proved effective. And, and, but if people want to say, you know, they can call it default action. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter. You know, you can call it being proactive um, rather than reactive really doesn't matter the terms to us, right? What matters is that people right. understand the principles and implement them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the whole, you know, the whole remote thing, I think, you know, I mean, I've gotten used to it. The work from home is, has been incredible for me um, in a lot of ways, but it, it, it is different. Um, and you have to keep up those relationships. And I, you know, I built some pretty powerful relationships that I didn't meet the person for like two years you know, and then we finally got together in person, right? So it's, it's possible. It's possible. And it opens up a whole nother world too, if you can do that. No question. Absolutely. You've, uh, you've proven that it's possible uh, in, uh, <laughs> in, 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 on your battlefield, certainly. Well, Tina, you're, you're an amazing leader and you've, uh, it's such a pleasure to, to, to work with you and talk to you about this, uh, you know, these, these leadership principles and how they've, uh, apply to your world. I always love hearing your, your sit reps and, and love following up with you. And, and uh, I really look forward to talking to you about, you know, your future endeavors and what yeah. you actually, you know, the, the pathway forward for you as, as you think about that and, and, and look forward to bouncing some ideas off, off you about, you know, where I can, from a detached perspective, provide some, uh, you know, just, just some, some insight that could be valuable. What do you, anything else you want to share, you know, with the audience here about, about your well, journey on extreme ownership? I guess, you know, I can't believe we didn't touch on detachment, but um, I the I would want to share that detachment is a superpower. Um, and um, it's probably one of the principles that I have worked the hardest on and find, found the hardest um, because it is, you know, it's that human behavior of reacting in the moment. Um, but boy, when you can detach and you can see, you know, like what's going on and what's really going on, um, you know, one of the things I learned at a muster was uh, if something is going wrong, 
one or more of the four laws of combat are being violated. And I still use that because if something's going wonky in a meeting and relationships, you know, things like that, it's like, what's going on? And, and it's, it's, it gets easier and easier to pinpoint like, oh, wait a minute, we're not teaming, right? Oh, we had, we kept it. We, this is way too complicated, right? You know, and it's usually one or more combination of that. Um, but that requires detachment that requires to be like, okay, I got to get out of this. Um, and I think that's one thing that the virtual world has helped me with, frankly, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was able to, because I wasn't physically with this other person I was having this conflict with, and we were on screen, it, it helped. You know, so I, I think that actually helped in the whole detachment practice. Um, but that is definitely a superpower. <laughs> There's no question about it. And it is uh, it is so easy to get sucked into. And we it's teach so easy as the mm-hmm. co-author of extreme ownership. I, I struggle with that. You know, it, it's easy to get sucked in. You realize from a detached perspective, OK, what's going on here? You know, what, what what's what's most important? What do what needs to actually happen to get this problem solved and move forward? Um, you know, when you can put your emotions in check and just detach from them, when you can put your ego in check and detach from them, um, it's amazing what can be accomplished. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the biggest lessons that, um, that we can impart to leaders that we work with, um, that enables them to be successful. Like, oh, cool. You work for a boss who's got a big ego. No big deal. All you Mm -hmm. gotta be able to do is put your, your own ego in check. And so many leaders that we talk to will say, well, you don't understand how big, you know, ego this person has. And, and of course, the moment they say that we know that it ain't just that other person. (laughs) So that detachment, it is so hard. And yet life provides all these opportunities, you know, to, to uh, detach. Um, And uh, I, I got to work on it all the time. You know, we all Mm -hmm. have to, to continually improve. We all have to, have, you know, we all have tendencies. I know my tendencies mm-hmm. get spun up about stuff, you know, is to go, uh, so is, is to kind of redline about stuff. And so I, I know that's a tendency. And I think if you're aware of your tendencies, it helps you find the balance in those dichotomies that you can, you can realize like, okay, I got to really, really focus on that detachment piece and embrace the opportunities when I'm feeling frustrated or overwhelmed or angry about something um, that I need to just detach you know, so that I can, I can look around, make the call and, 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 and get moving in the positive direction to solve that problem. Yeah. And also I think that, you know, most recently it's, it's realizing those tendencies don't go away. I had this belief like, oh, if I just get this all figured out, I won't have to ever deal with, you know, that. No, 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 no. (laughs) I still get sucked right in, right? You know, and again, it's not about getting rid of that stuff. I think it's about being aware of it. Um, And then I think, I think I've discovered a new layer of detachment is something around when you're detached there's really not that many things in life that are catastrophic. There are, right? And we've all gone through our tragedies and everything, but having that perspective helps be in the present moment so much more. And I've just, I know I've just touched on that, but again, as all these principles are, there's, there's so many layers, like as you continue to practice them, there's so much more learning um, that happens and discovery that happens. No question. I think that's uh, that's that's absolutely the case, uh, and and I, I think it it get, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. I love what you just said though about our tendencies don't go away. Um, you know, we talk about 
When we came back from the Battle of Ramadi in 2006, I mean, those, it was so humbling to be in these violent and difficult combat situations day in and day out. Uh, particularly when I thought I was as prepared as you could possibly be. Um, and I realized like I wasn't near as prepared as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to teach that to the next generation. And we talk about, you know, lessons that we learned, humility, ownership, teamwork, that humility piece, you know, we talk about it from like a blue on blue perspective, right? From a, the chapter one, extreme ownership, this friendly fire situation that happened to us right out of the gate. And yet, if you would asked me as a young, uh, you know, Lieutenant Leif Bab and Charlie Platoon Commander in Tasking the Bruiser before we deployed to Ramadi in 2006, are you guys going to get in a blue on blue, you know, friendly fire situation? I'd have, I'd have said, heck no, that's never going to happen. That, that happens to losers who don't know how to play. <laughs> and what we brought back from that was the, the, the understanding that if you don't take significant steps to mitigate the risk of that happening, every single operation you're on, it is, it is going to happen. It is going to happen. And I think it's the exact same way for our tendencies, right? If, if I know that I can get it spun up about stuff, then I've got to take significant steps. I got to be thinking about, it. I got to be writing down some notes before I go, go in a meeting, listen, you know, uh, stay, stay, stay detached, uh, you know, ask for inputs from others like that, that sort of thing. So, so that if you know, you've got tendencies, uh, you've got to constantly stay ahead of them by contingency planning and by, uh, uh, by mitigating the risks of that every time it doesn't go away. And I think that's a super, uh, super powerful observation that you're making. Yeah, and I, I I would go back to leading up the chain. Um, my tendency is to look at those people in the corner office and think you should have all the answers because you have that role, you have that title. And I'm very hard on executive leadership. I really am. And that hasn't gone away. But with leading up and extreme ownership, it's like, no, 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 it's not, you know, and it's not deferring to authority. It's like, no, they're another person that has chosen this role. And they have a role to do and I have a role to do and it's about working together and it's about being able to influence and being able to help that person and a teamwork in that environment and everything. So that's been the other, again, it's just another layer, right? Like you said, you go deeper and deeper on this. That's a powerful one though. And, And we've talked to so many people about, you know, particularly through the you know, you talked about the uncertainty of the pandemic and mm-hmm. we kind of didn't know what was happening from day to day. And, and uh, I, I talked to so many people who were just incredibly frustrated with, um, you know, their chain of command for not providing some guidance. And, mm-hmm. and I simply just said, Hey, um, think about it from their perspective. Yeah. Like what, you know, there's all information coming in from different angles of, uh, about things that are going on. Like we don't really, you know, like put yourself in their shoes for a second. Mm-hmm. And and that really helped, I think, a lot of leaders be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a tough spot for them to be in. And then, you know, when you can see like, hey, this uncertainty is, is causing some frictions, well, let me actually talk to the, the chain of command just to let them know so that they can even say, listen, we don't know what's going on. Here's what we think is going to happen. You know, we should have some more information in a couple of weeks. That's enough information to put out to let people know like, okay, they're, they're, they're giving me all the information they can. They're not just keeping me in the dark about stuff. Right. So right. I think just that perspective is, is so valuable though. And, you know, you can never build relationships with people if you really kind of assume sinister intent on their mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once you realize like, Hey, the chain of command's got a lot on their plate, they got a tough job. Um, so what can I do to help them? What can I do to support them? What can I do to take things off their plate? If they haven't provided some guidance and maybe they're not mind readers, they don't know we need the guidance. 
let me actually run, run up the chain to, to, to ask for some clarity. And I can pass that, that word around, you know, to help him out in this regard. Definitely. And, and be a part of it. Right. Um, we're going through that with the merger now. I mean, we, we, we merged last April and, you know, it's going to take two to three years to bring the clinical and the research side together, you know, especially in finance, especially in administration. How do we support this, you know, new organization that research and clinical are two very different businesses, right? But we're all trying to do the same thing. There's there's reasons why we came together the way we did. Um, and then how do we do that integration? Um, and it is very frustrating that days are like, why isn't this moving faster? Well, there's a lot going on because we still have businesses to run. And then on top of that, it's like, oh, now we're going to merge two organizations, right? Two cultures. Um, so yeah, it's, I still, the still healthy detachment is always a, it's always a good tool to have in your toolbox. <laughs> no doubt. Detachment is a superpower. Absolutely. Right on, Tina. Any, any other thoughts you want to share? Um. No, this has been great. Um, there's a whole other side to this as far as uh, applying these principles personally, which I feel like I'm digging more into. Uh, there's things that, you know, I want to achieve in my personal life. Um, and again, the principles are right there, you know, and it starts by taking a hard look in the mirror and saying, where am I at? Um, I think the other thing is, you know, one of my tendencies is I tend to be notoriously hard on myself. Um, and it was when I discovered extreme ownership, I had to get over the blame. You know, I don't like the word blame, um, you know, blame yourself. No, it's really about taking the power back and really making choices for yourself um, and knowing that you have the ability to do that. So there's a whole, you know, it's not just the professional life, it's the personal life that this can make an incredible difference into. Well, I love how you describe that. I've been mean, taking the power back. And, uh, and I think it's because uh, it's, you know, we say humbling, but liberating, right? It's so mm -hmm. humbling to think mm -hmm. that everything is your fault. And, uh, yep. and that that's something that that weighs heavily on you. It hurts your ego. It's, it doesn't feel good. And yet, it's also liberating. It's liberating to know that everybody makes mistakes. Everybody, you know, has screw ups. All you have to do is learn from those mistakes. You know, and then to your point, like you actually, if you if you own those mistakes, then you also own the solutions to those mistakes mm -hmm. and you have the power to solve that problem. You're not in a hopeless situation. You're not in a, an unfixable situation uh, and you have the power to fix that situation, solve that problem going forward and get better as a result. So uh, I love the way you describe that. It's really about taking the power uh, back and, and, and empowering you uh, to, to, to lead your own life and make things better and make everyone around you better as a result. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome, Tina. Well, it's, it's so great to see you. Uh, always love catching up with you. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. And thanks for sharing your story with others. Um, I know it'll be it'll be very impactful so that people that uh, that that can if, can think about this in different ways about how it applies mm -hmm. in their world and how they can take these principles to solve problems uh, and win. And uh, again, we, we named this podcast you know, from the, from the hashtag, this stuff works, which we see in the, the chat box, you know, in that uh, uh, extreme ownership uh, Academy live sessions, as they talk about these principles, they're implementing in their worlds. And, uh, and we just get that this stuff works, this stuff works. Um, and it does, it does. At the end of the day, there's what works and there's what doesn't work. And if you're doing this stuff, like you're supposed to be doing it and you truly understand how to implement these principles in your life, it absolutely works. Uh, and, uh, and you become part of a, a team that's unstoppable.
and you're doing exactly 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 well this has been fun it's been a lot of fun and an honor so thank you thank you for the ability to chat thanks tina really appreciate okay. the time today great okay talking to you. thanks